There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Now, I need you all for a project. James Jeffries, a friend of Robert's, is sponsoring Dumpty Dum. He is very nearly as clever as Robert and actually slightly more creative. He builds prototypes for the web and does some amazing things for data, for arts and culture. In fact, I may ask him to work on the village website if I can loosen Jennifer's grip on the thing. He's worked with all the best people, you know. The BBC Research and Development team, creating interactive story explorers for Homefront and Peaky Blinders, for the London Philharmonic Orchestra, creating a prototype of a searchable archive of their historic performances. Once, he even built some tweeting receipt printers for a Bill Drummond exhibition. Now, that's the kind of innovation we need for the village show. So if you'd like to talk to him about your project idea, you could get in touch with him at Robert, Robert, what's his email address? James at shedcode.co.uk. That's James at S-H-E-D-C-O-D-E.co.uk. Or you could have a browse of his website, shedcode.co.uk. Do tell him I was looking for him if you see him, won't you? I want him to design me a digital resurgence stone. <laughs> Hello everybody at Dumpty Dum, this is Auntie Jean here at the London meetup of Dumpty Dum. We've had a lovely time and even though Derek in the back bedroom, Royford and Lucy have had to go, the rest of Wonder us why. <laughs> the rest of us are going to sing a Dumpty Dum. So are we ready ladies? Yeah. We are. One, two, three. A Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty Dumpty Da Dum Dumpty Dumpty Dum Dumpty Diddly Dum Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dum this is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the ghost of Christmas past, who is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the missing in action either deader in Birmingham, Terry Malloy, aka Mike uh, Tucker. Uh, I've got this cold, so I, you know, I'm talking like somebody from EastEnders, which uh, seems a bit odd, really, because I don't think they'd hire me. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got that terrible cough that everyone's got at the moment. Which, uh, it seems to be going the rounds. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm all right. I'm OK. Today's rendition of The Archers theme tune was brought to you by our Auntie Jean and the Dumpty Dum Christmas Posse down there in London. 
To celebrate Christmas, today's episode is a little different. We take a look back at some of the Christmas storylines in Ambridge over the years. Um, what yeah. happens in the uh, Malloy household generally at Christmas time? Uh, well, I, normally the Malloy household is a bit riotous. Um, uh, we usually have a, a party, well, an open house really on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. You know, just get a load of bottles of carver in and some nibbles and people come and go, you know, from about four o'clock onwards until we walk around with badges saying it's been lovely, but I really now must scream, you know, <laughs> to uh, usher them out the door. Um, but uh, and also uh, my wife's daughter, who's in a, who was a, a wheelchair user, um, usually comes over from Spain and spends Christmas here. And that's fairly chaotic as well. So we have a tiny, tiny, tiny little cottage up in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, but this year, no, nothing is, none of, none of that is happening. We've decided this year is a quiet Christmas, and uh, I've, I've, I've woven a lovely little uh, garland. I, I really object to people calling them wreaths. Those are things you put on coffins. A garland for the front door, a Christmas mm-hmm. garland, um, with a little hanging humbug in the middle of it, <laughs> just to show how I feel about Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> So um, you're you're a bit of a Christmas Scrooge, is it? Just like me, I'm just, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. All I want to do eat my mum's turkey, then mm. just go back uh, into my room and and just hibernate until all the fuss is over. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I want to hibernate from the moment October kicks in. Actually, if you could show me a cave with a large pile of leaves, I'd be there until May. You know, uh, <laughs> I just don't like this time of year. I'm not. I'm not a winter person at all. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I've. I've. Oh, I've. Enjoyed, we've had great Christmases. I've enjoyed Christmases. Um, mm. But they're also. They can also be incredibly taxing and incredibly tiring, and um, and rather expensive. And very expensive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember one year. I, um, I decided when when my kids were, um, you know, in their, you know. 10, 11 time, you know, that sort of age. I was fed up with buying large cardboard boxes full of plastic, which they chucked around the room for about 10 minutes and then just just were totally disinterested in. So uh-huh. actually living in Birmingham, and you might know this, but mm-hmm. down uh, in Sturchley, I don't know if it's still there, but there's a place that actually um, uh, covers billiard tables and things like that. They do restoring of billiard tables and pub pool tables. So I went and bought a pub pool table, which had been totally restored with all the mm-hmm. mechanism. And we had a big house in Birmingham at the time. And uh, I put that in and I said to the kids, that's your birth, that's your Christmas present. It was one of the best Christmas presents they had. They never stopped playing on it, which was great because I'd kept the mechanisms and I had to pay 20 pence. every day. <laughs> <laughs> but it meant that, you know, after a couple of months, you could you, you got enough money to, you know, because all their friends wanted to come around and play. Uh-huh. Uh, you could rebase the table. You know, um, wow! They they very swiftly found a way around that, and uh, you know, you know, a couple of times I went in and found there was no coins in it, and they've been playing for about two weeks solid. You know, so, uh, <laughs> they found a way of rigging the system. But uh, I mean, the great thing is, it taught my daughter how to play pool mm-hmm. when she was very very young, and when she uh, she started off at uh, university in Aberystwyth some years ago, um, I took her up there and settled her in her digs and we went down to the pub and there was a couple of Welsh lads in the pub and we're, a pool table and we said, oh, let's have a knock around. You know, we were just playing silly, silly idiots. And um, these two guys obviously thought, oh, oh we're in for, a, we're in for a, a ride here then, you know. So they came over and said, you know, fancy, fancy a game for a pint then, is it? And we said, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, fine, you know, I mean, not, you know, as I've played for ages, you know, oh, don't worry, we're not very good either. Um, we said, right, okay. And so I said, uh, Hannah, do you want a break? 
And Hannah said, yeah, okay. Now, Hannah, you know, in that time was 18 mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, very, very long blonde hair, slim, absolute, you know, drop-dead gorgeous. I have to say that, I'm her daddy, but she is. And um, she just, you know, wrapped it up and went whap and then cleared the table without leaving. <laughs> Not only that, but she was actually saying which pocket she was going to put them in. And <laughs> you could see these two guys just withering under the fact that they'd actually had not only been hooked in and, and, and drowned but uh, now we carried on playing with for the rest of the evening but uh, it's lovely to have a girl you know like that on side who can play really ace pool mm, absolutely now uh mr Malloy, um the christmas panto yeah, yeah. is somewhat of uh, an archer's tradition it um, a, it's a little bit repetitive and predictable in terms of um, the overarching storyline. You know, we have the problems, the director's problems, followed yeah. by the play's inevitable success. Why do you think the panto is important to the archers? And how is it possible to rerun the same storyline every year whilst keeping the listeners interested, do you think? Um, well, I mean, how many people go to more than one panto in real life? Mm-hmm. people go back to the panto they know what it's about you know they probably know the stories as well but they go back because each year is going to be slightly different you know and um is that the whole point then that actually linda's staging of the panto is the panto yeah i think so it is it, it's actually a panto in itself that's the panto because we never really hear the panto do we i mean no. had the odd snippet of it the actual panto is the preparation for the panto Mm. it's um you know it, it's all 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 the comedy elements are there all the all the romance all the all the you know evil villains they're all there um mm. paraded before you and you you know you hiss and boo along with them when they say i'm going to go to a rehearsal i'm not going to go to a rehearsal i'm not wearing that <laughs> I'm wearing this you know is it going to happen will it happen oh the tension you know and it all good comes good in the end you know and there's big happy hooray and everyone pats themselves on the back I don't know what's going to happen this year. It could be total and utter disaster, but we'll uh, just have to wait and see. Um, Well, I think people would have seen, but yes, of course, it's Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, Remember the 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 magic of recording beforehand, Terry. It is. Yeah, yeah. Just a bit. (laughs) Now you were once Linda's dame in in a panto. Now, first off, uh, describe your outfit. Do you look good in tights? I've got I've got the best legs in the business. I really. <laughs> Danny Larue would kill for my legs. He really would. Um, if you like to be a hobbit, um, got the hairy feet and everything. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I would. Yes. I mean, people say that's probably the best thing about me is my legs. Um, but um, you know, I'm, I'm quite a is that the reason why you were so good at being uh, Davros in uh, in in Doctor Who? Absolutely, because I, I could take them off, you know, <laughs> troll around in that wheelchair, you know, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a shame, that, yeah. So, yeah. Davros in tights, it, it brings up a whole new vision, which I, I don't think I'll be able to erase from my retina now. <laughs> um, so you reckon you look good in tights. What was the role that you played? And can you remember the year that you were Linda's panto? I can't, day? you know, I've been racking my brains to think when it was. Um, I Here's think an approximation. it got to be around 2007-ish because it was just after Betty's death mm-hmm. and everyone was trying to get him and he was beginning to have a bit of a flirt with the costume lady, I think, if I remember rightly, mm-hmm. um, at the time. <clears throat> and um, 
there was all this sort of shenan well not shenanigans but this sort of you know is mike gonna you know find a, a new love you know after betty but he, he was still still mourning betty really and i don't think he was a bit like roy has been recently you know i don't know if i want to do all this you know this, this dating stuff you know it's a it's a rerun of mike really isn't it and, uh, and his his dating shenanigans so, uh, so was- I, honestly i really honestly can't i was i was looking at through things last night, you know, there's no reference that I could find on the web mm. um, to Mike Tucker in the Panto, average Panto. Um, well, you know, it, it, I had I had a similar problem, and you look back at the decade recaps or the year recaps yeah. and considering that the panto is a central part of the ambridge year yeah they're not there in in the in the recaps are they they're not no not in the, not in the december runs no mm. um i mean you'd have to ask camilla i mean she was the you know the queen of all things um in terms of what happens on the archers for, for so many years that she would have made you know copious notes about that i'm sure mm-hmm. um no, it's it's bizarre. It's the one. It's a it's a kind of a blind spot. I kind of remember it, but I don't remember. I don't think I was. I didn't. Were you? Were you? No, I found it but, odd. But darling, were I, you a I, triumph, though, darling? Sorry? Were you a triumph? Were you a success? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't <laughs> think I was. I'm, no, really, I'm, I'm being you know very you know open and honest here. I don't think Mike was a good choice as a dame. Mm. Um, he doesn't naturally fit into that slot. You know, Baron Stonybroke, or you know, uh, one of the brokers' men, maybe. But uh, um, you know, the morose one of the brokers' men. Uh, and uh, but as a dame, he's 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 never really been that outgoing, has he? You know. Um, true, true. How meta does the acting have to get if you're you know putting on a role of somebody who's putting on a role? Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is the difficult one because it's always difficult in in situations like that, that you are trying to be um, an actor putting on an actor who's not acting very well. Yeah. Um, And it's, uh, in a sense, you don't play it. You can't play it that way. I always remember Michael Caine saying, you know, how do you play drunk? Don't play drunk. Play as though you, you believe you're absolutely sober. Mm-hmm. And so everything becomes, you know, very, 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 you know, done in a very particular way because you're trying to prove to everyone else that you're not drunk. And I suppose in the same way that could apply to acting somebody who's acting, that you try and don't act, you act yourself, you act, you act the character, uh, you know, trying to be a character but not, if you know what I mean. Hmm. I'm, not, I'm not explaining this very well at all, but uh, yeah, because you've got to have the truth as a character on radio that you are there as the character, but you're putting on another voice without people saying, "Oh, he's such a clever actor because he's doing another voice." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I think you know, I I hadn't really thought about it until yeah. um, doing the prep for this show. But if you are a television actor, if you're you know acting in that role to be uh, a drunk you've got the visual cues haven't you yes oh, absolutely yeah. yeah whereas with with uh with just voice work it's much more subtle and you can't just slur every word it needs to be no. much more subtle no you've got to, you've got to be very 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 precise about what just what you're what you're talking about mm. so people you know there's there's no real you're not slurring because you're being very very precise about what what you say um, 
<laughs> because uh, you're not not drunk at all. No, there's no no absolutely no belief that you could be drunk. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, I dropped off there. <laughs> it is that. It, yeah, it's um, it's uh, radio. You can do these things, but it, it's it's uh, it is really playing against what would naturally be the call to go. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being drunk all over the place because uh, it's it's kind of meaningless. It's more mm. fun and it's more interesting if you're playing, trying to be not drunk. Mm. And I suppose it's the same with a panto. If I'm trying. To be the dame but not be the dame at the same time. Um, gosh, we're getting into areas of, of real, you know, sort of uh, deep acting psychological um, psychosis here, aren't we? Uh, listen, um, this is yeah. only what the dum dum listeners demand. I, t- I think they do demand it, yeah. I've found most of them fairly psychotic. <laughs> orientated, yeah. yeah now... Sure. Ambridge has seen, Terry, some 65 Christmases. Uh, so you've been involved in a fair few. Um, with the storylines being produced some three months before airing, that means that uh, for the actors, Christmas probably comes in around about October time. Does that mean that that's when you guys got all go off down the pub and have the Archers Actors Christmas Party? Uh, no, that tends to happen actually um, in December. Mm-hmm. When you're actually recording stuff in January for, for January. They will, they, you know, these you have a, you know, everybody's in the studio, the last studio before Christmas, you know, yeah. or anybody who isn't, you know, um, it's, uh, it's basically those people who are in the studio at that time um, get to go and have a drink with each other should they wish to, you know, or listen to Kerry spinning a few platters as, as happened on one event, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's very much for those people who are there in studio at that time when office parties are happening. Anyway, you know, I mean, it, it used to be organised by the BBC, but it's it's very much now that's not frowned. It's frowned on a bit that you know, actually spending money on frivolity like drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it basically it's kind of organised, but people pay for it themselves, really. So we just basically go to a, a restaurant or and, uh, and have a meal together, or you know, uh, whatever. So there must have been the, the odd storyline or two which you, you can you can pass on to the listeners of terrible things or that have gone on in the uh, the archers actors Christmas party. So Mr. Malloy, the floor is all yours. Thank you very much. I mean, there was one that uh-huh. um, um, goes down in 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 cast history as um, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was within the mailbox complex itself. Mm-hmm. And we had hired this place uh, to, to go and have this meal. And we all turned up there and we waited for ages and ages just to get a drink. And then when things started to arrive, they were wrong. And they certainly they didn't have the prawns or they didn't have this. Or when they came, they were cold. And it just it went downhill from there. The service was just abominable. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we decided to bail about halfway through, and uh, we basically, you know, uh, did a mass, you know, a mob attack on not attack, but a mob, you know, front to the to the manager and say, look, this is just not acceptable. We will pay you five pounds for what we've had per head. Uh-huh. That's it. We're we're out. You know, I don't think that place lasted very long. Um, <laughs> not because of our action, but uh, no, that was a, that was a really memorable one. That you know. 
But yeah, we did have some really great ones. You know, I've, I've not been to one for years because I've, I've not been in uh, around Christmas for years. So uh, um, I kind of miss out on some of those, you know. Uh, but uh, no, we've had a couple along the canal side uh, mm-hmm. that we had, which were rather good. And, um, you know, we get people sometimes doing a bit of music themselves. And, uh, and it, it can be quite convivial. You know, and uh, it's you know an opportunity to let your hair down. I mean, when people get together when they're in studio, you know, we we will you know groups of people will go out and have a meal if you're in in the next day and you're staying overnight or whatever it may be. Um, so that happens normally. The normal regular run of the mill being um, uh, in studio at any particular time. But uh, the Christmas party is one where you get, basically get a bit glammed up, you know, and dressed up. You know, go to the top of the cube or somewhere like that and look out over the city and uh, say, you know, hooray! <laughs> it is the rather nice up there, isn't it? And the bag of humbugs, you know. Mm. Um, it is rather nice at the, at the top of the cube. It makes it Birmingham look somewhat it, majestic, doesn't it, it? It looks kind of kind of sparkly, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's uh, yeah. To, it's. Uh, to get that, you know, that vista all the way around, you know, I've, you know, cause I lived in Birmingham for 29 years, yeah, 29 mm-hmm. years. Um, but uh, it was, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it's good to see it from that perspective. I mean, the highest I'd have been before was, was in the Licky Hills, you know, sort of looking out back across <laughs> Birmingham, but not quite the same. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Same as being top of the queue. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And 
Awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, I well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to to win in the end is that for me, it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Now, uh, Mr. Malloy, um, Mike's major depression, uh, which nearly resulted in him topping himself on Boxing Day 1991, um, was uh, rather dramatic. And he was talked out of suicide by Kathy Perks. Uh, Terry, can you uh, remind us what led Mike to this dark place? Uh, I mean, it came from partly from the fact that he lost his eye as a result Mm -hmm. of an industrial accident. Well, not lost his eye, but detached retina. Um, as a result of an industrial accident, which eventually led compensation from Brian Aldridge, which enabled Betty and Mike to buy Willow Farm. Um, but also the fact that he had gone bankrupt. There was a bankruptcy and this, this you know, industrial accident, and he just got very, very low. And it, it was a really good storyline, because I mean, when we started doing it, I remember saying to, to Vanessa, I said, look, this this sounds like, it's going in a particular direction. Am I right? She said, yeah. Um, it doesn't go into... Uh, we're going, going into the areas of depression, obviously. You know, Whether we go into clinical depression, I said, well, I just need to know where we are in the cycle as we're doing it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was fed in information about that. And um, I, I believe, and I, I, this may be totally apocryphal, and I may be totally wrong about it, but I heard on the grapevine at one point that, in fact... The scriptwriters wanted to, they wanted me to take my head off with a shotgun on Boxing Day. Oh, wow. That's what they planned. And bless her, I think Vanessa turned around and said, no, no, um, I like the character and I like the actor. You find another way around it, mm-hmm. um, which they did. Um, I don't know how true that is, but uh, it's, a, it's a nice thought that, you know, dear old Vanessa, she thought, yay, go on, man. Because um, she's always been very supportive of me. And, mm-hmm. um and it didn't happen, and that Kathy turned it down. But interestingly enough, it was around that time when we did the Murder at Ambridge Hall theatre tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember we were somewhere in Wales, and I met this vicar, this, this pastor came up, and he just said, he said, can I just thank you for that storyline about the depression that you went through? I said, oh, no, no, at all. He said, I was going through exactly the same thing at exactly the same moment as you. And it it helped me because I felt I was with somebody else. I wasn't alone. You know, I wasn't mm. the only one with spots, if you like. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's great that he could relate to what I was going through on the radio and it was helping him being in the same place at the same time. So, so, so how, what, how long was the kind of whole gestation um, of oh, that storyline before? It was a good, uh, six to nine months almost, I oh, think. Wow. Yeah. It was a long, long burn. It wasn't a, you know, because you had the whole thing of him doing that and then getting naughty with Betty and eventually Betty leaving and going to the pub because she couldn't stand it anymore because of his moods and his rages. And, and then he went and tried to set fire to a farm and all kinds of things built up and built up to this, this point where he was on his own on Christmas Day and was going to top himself. Um, and Cassie came round and... Uh, um, so... so- Tell us about that scene uh, with with Kathy. What do you remember? 
you know, I don't remember anything about it now. It was so long ago. Mm. They, they too, do tend to merge. I mean, all I know is I, I think Mike was desolate because he thinks he, he thought he'd lost Betty and the children, you know, um, uh, Roy and Brenda. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't see any point. And I think Kathy was very good at pointing out, I think she bought him a Christmas present. I'm not sure she didn't buy him a tie. And it was the fact that somebody had bought him something which was, you know, um, kind of restored his faith a bit, you know, and he, he, you know, and she persuaded him to, you know, get to talk to, to Betty again. And uh, so it, it, it all began to heal over, you know, but uh, I, I think it was a turning point. And um, I just remember it, I, you know, I, I mean, I love, love, you know, playing on Mike with with um, with Headley because she's you know she's so lovely um, yeah. as an actress, and um, you know as Kathy, she was you know being particularly sympathetic to Mike um, because of what she was seeing happening you know down at the pub and what people had been experiencing around around uh, Ambridge at that time. But uh, yeah, it's um, you get involved of these things, and, and sometimes the details disappear after mm. a while. It's it's. I mean, the, the, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm deeply, you know, full of um, memories about Betty's death and, and that sort of thing. But this one, it kind of, because it was a kind of a denouement and we knew we were moving on, but with Betty's death, it was an end. And that really, that really did, you know, uh, get to me and Amy as well. Very much so. Okay, so so let's touch on that. So that's Christmas 2005. And I know that we did mention that in our first reminiscent show um, a couple of months ago. But oh. could you just set set the scene for us with that? Um, well, um, Betty had um, uh, basically a heart attack, you know. She'd been... And Betty's your first wife. Yeah, Betty was my first wife. We'd been married. I mean, Betty basically ruled the roost. Mike had came across as this, you know, um, you know, male chauvinist pig who, you know, basically ruled the roost. But in fact, it was Betty that pulled all the strings, and she mm-hmm. had a you know, lovely, lovely woman. And uh, she moved to, to uh, Ambridge with Mike. You know, they arrived in in, in Ambridge uh, when Mike took over as herd manager at Brookfield. And then, you know, moved into tenant farming and, and eventually having their own place and uh, went through all that stuff of, you know, you know, Betty was the, the solid rock that, you know, survived whenever Mike fell flat on his face, as always happened. I mean, it used to be a joke around that. How do you make the Tuckers millionaires when you start them off as billionaires? Because they'll lose most of it in the first 10 minutes or Mike will. Um, and she was always there as his rock. And... Um, it got to this point where uh, Pam Craig, who'd been in the Arches, you know, as, as long as I had at that time, she, um, that was the, all she did, really. She didn't do anything else. And she, uh, her husband had family in New Zealand and they were thinking of, they were both retired, he was retired. They were thinking of moving back to New Zealand, which meant obviously that Pam couldn't carry on doing um Betty and so talked it through with Vanessa and there was discussion obviously as whether they find another Betty but we thought that's ridiculous after 34 years you know um, the, you, you can't do that uh, so Vanessa said well can, can we kill you off um, and Pam said yeah if that's alright with Terry and I said well I'm not alright with me but I'm, I'm, I realise the reason you want to go um, and yeah you know um, and um so we went into the storyline of Betty 
getting a bit ill and having a heart attack, which she recovers from. You know, mm-hmm. so everyone thinks, "Wow, it's great. She's fine. She's absolutely fine." Went to hospital. We've got it all sorted. She's back home. You know, and uh, everything. Phew! And then, bang! She just drops dead. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when she goes upstairs to Jane, she's dead. And um, it was it was a tough one to do. You know, I mean, Pam actually insisted on staying, although she wasn't in the episode or the scene uh, for the scene where we actually found her dead lying on the sofa, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a great, great family, you know, all of us as actors. It was a great family, and I think that you do find that with the, with, with the various families, you know. There's a camaraderie of the people who are in those families. Mm. And um, it was... Um, do you think that camaraderie is important to when you emote, when you actually act with uh you know opposite your you know your screen son your radio son a radio daughter radio wife yeah it, it it was for me certainly um i couldn't do the things i i did do with 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 pam and with with ian and with uh, amy had there not been a great friendship between us all as well mm. as um you know just being very very good actors you know i mean uh, the the scene when Mike, uh, Amy, or uh, Brenda finds Mike in the bedroom and he can't think of what to wear for the funeral, you know. Um, we just, we, we, because Amy had that year lost her, her mum in mm-hmm. real life. It was very raw. And there was all that emotion there and all that emotion being put into it. We both said, look, we don't want to rehearse this. Uh, in fact, we just want to you know just have a quiet time in the studio and we'll do it and that was that was the take they took because it it had all those those you know those resonances between the two of us in that i'd lost an actress wife mm-hmm. uh, who i'd been married to longer than anybody i'd been married to um and it was a very special relationship over all those years. And Amy had lost a, 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 an actor mum, and um, she'd also lost her real mum. So she knew those emotions. She knew those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually went to opposite sides of the studio and just took our own time and came back together and did it. And that was that was just, oh, you know, I mean... Uh, Kerry, I think it was Kerry. I think Kerry had written the scripts, done some cracking scripts for that whole section of of, of Betty's death, and uh, they just sang. You know, you know when a script sings, and when one's a bit clunky. Um, but these scripts were singing. You know, and it's also interesting. I mean, when Roy came into the program when he was first cast, um, you know, it was getting to that time where we had, ought to have a you know a speaking Tucker, and. Um, so they auditioned people, and then I, w- I was there doing the auditions at Pebble Mill, and they had a, a range of actors coming in, and they were very, very good. You know, a whole tranche of about six or eight actors came in, and in those days they were just re- they were just recorded blind, and the tapes were sent to to Vanessa to listen to without any names or anything like that. It was a bit like the old brass bands where they sit behind a screen so they don't know who's actually playing, mm-hmm. and she would then choose um, from the voices, but. Um, the last person of the day was Ian, Ian Pepperell. He came in, and the minute he opened his mouth and started to speak, the hairs went up on the back of my neck. Because I thought, my God, that's me 20 years ago. And wow. then, my God, I've been in the program that long. You know, because you don't notice time passing. Mm-hmm. 
except suddenly you've got a son that is now, you know, sounding like you, you know, and you think, oh, God, you know. So those are special moments. Those are really special moments when you, when you have that relationship with the person that you, you're working with who's also meant to be a member of your family. And the same with Amy. I mean, Amy still calls me dad, you know, when uh-huh. we talk to each other. You know, I'm her, I'm her other dad. And um, it's great. It's great to have that, that ongoing relationship. Absolutely. And um, what, what's she working on at the moment? What, what's she up to? Who? J- Amy? Yeah. She's just had a play on in, uh, in London. You know, very successful and had a very good run, and uh, she's doing a lot of writing mm-hmm. and, um, and and stuff like that. We keep in touch, you know, and, and uh, you know, say, will the tech- Tuckers ever come back? Well, we hope so. Maybe, who knows? You know, it's uh, one of those imponderables. We just uh, we wait and see. Now, after Christmas comes New Year. Now, you have a little bit of. Uh, a, a plot prediction, don't you, about New Year's? Mm. Yeah, I well, I have lots of predictions about the Archers. Or we, I play sort of, I play silly games of what ifs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for years, um, and you can ask Pat Gallimore this, but Pat Gallimore and I um, put together this this concept that, in fact, Helen Archer is Pat and Mike's love child. <laughs> I, and you go back, you know, you go back in time. It was the time when you know Mike had his organic thing, and and uh, <laughs> you know every time uh, Tony arrived, you know Mike was delivering some vegetables to Pat, and I'd say, "Oh, better go, better go, right? Uh, see you, Pat. Yeah, yeah, all right." You know, so we're convinced that a Helen is Mike and Pat's love child, and in fact, um, uh, John uh, tipped over the tractor because he actually saw them bonking in the back of a Land Rover. So that's how he actually died, you know. These are these little fantasy fantasy football, but fantasy <laughs> archers that we, we play. Yeah. Um, so how is this story going to get out? How is the truth going to out? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I keep on saying, and Julie Beckett used to keep on slapping us both. I said, oh, shut up. You're not doing it. I, don't know. I said, but it's true. It's got to be true. It's got to be, you know, really, honestly, you know, really, honestly. Um, no, it's just, it's just us playing around, which is great fun. Now, I was just thinking... Um, um, this coming New Year, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be good if um, um, Lower Loxley, mm-hmm. if um, a certain young lady took a certain young doctor up on the roof to show him where her first husband slipped and fell, uh-huh. and, and 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 David sees them going up there and follows them up to say, you know, what's going on. And as a result, we have Dr. Locke fall off as well. Uh, <laughs> so you've got another death on New Year's Eve, you know, at Lower Locksley, which then has this wonderful ongoing story of, of you know, of Odie Grundy, you know, every, every doing ghost walks around Ambridge, you know, and here we are on Lower Locksley, you know, and there, there's the ghosts of Nigel Pargeter and Dr. Locke walking the parapets uh, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, you know, you've got this... So, you know, anybody who goes near Elizabeth Pargeter ends up dying by falling off the roof of, a, of Lower Locksley. That's just the way my, my mind works, I think, half the time. It's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, of course, Mike nearly got killed as well on New Year's Eve. Um, yes. Of Helen, his, his, his supposed daughter. Well, in our supposition, mm. supposed daughter. But uh, I suppose everyone plays these games. I'm sure I know a lot of Dumpty Dummers do. And um, and I'm certainly, you know, other areas of archers, you know, 
uh, anarchists and people like that will be quite happy to sort of run those sort of little uh, scenarios past the past the post. But um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it keeps us all sane. It's just another level of Ambridge uh, jollity. I like. Uh, listen, I, I like it too. Now, uh, just before we say goodbye, um, I, I presume uh, you're sat there. Well, uh, how much of this do we uh, do we project on onto our recording? So, uh, so we're sat together, of course. Yes. Um, with a couple of mince pies between yeah. us, a paper pa- paper hat. Yep. Um, I'm gonna have. I don't know how I'm gonna get back to uh, to me Mar and Pars in Birmingham. Yes. Uh, because there's no public transport on Christmas Day. Uh, but I'm going to have to set off. So um, what are you going to do for the rest of your evening? Oh, rest of the evening. Um, I think it's... Um, Is it Doctor Who on the telly? Well, there's Doctor Who on the telly, yes. I mean, I, I, I don't watch it a vast amount now, but, I mean, it is a Christmas special, so I suppose I will. And I do like Peter Capaldi, so mm-hmm. I, I think he's great. Um so yeah, I guess there's going to be that, and then I thought, you know, I tell you what, Terry, um, I, I, I feel that I shouldn't ask you this, but I'm going to anyway. Who's your favourite doctor? Um, doctor Mortlock, she's great, great GP. Um, <laughs> she saved me many and many, many. Keep you up. know to <laughs> which doctor I am pre- referring yeah, to, sir. Good doctor. Um, you, the doc, your my favourite doctor. It's the the doctor that people grew up with. It always is. Your first doctor is your favourite doctor. You can't get around that, even if you were. All right. Okay. All right. So for Post me, the relaunch. I have to admit, I I'm old enough to have been sixteen when Doctor Who started. So Post the relaunch. Up. Let's make it much more controversial then. Yeah. yeah. Who's your favourite doctor? Who's my favourite doctor? Since the relaunch. Yep. Oh, since the relaunch. Yep. Oh God. Capaldi. Why? Uh, he, for me, he incorporates all the doctors in a very subtle way. He's a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like them all. I mean, the doctors of the doctor, the doctor. I loved Eccleston. I thought Eccleston was so badly done by by people. You know, they, he, they, he doesn't get the plaudits really, he does he? And he was so good. I thought he was really, really good. I mean, I remember that the, the look in his eye when he saw the first Dalek that was mm. chained up in the cellar was pure fear, and it was pure fear. And I thought, that's good. That is, uh, you know, he really was on blob. Um, and they they all bring their own thing to it, you know. Um, uh, you know, um, David, David's such a lovely man, David Tennant, you know. And uh, I... I went to see, I was doing a a Doctor Who Confidential in Cardiff when he was doing his very final day in Mm -hmm. studio, just doing pickups in the TARDIS with Graham Harper, who was the director who directed me in in Revelation uh, with Colin Baker years years before. And um, I could see he was eyeing me across the floor, you know, and I thought, oh, well, I know he's a fanboy and, and, you know, Uh maybe that, you know. Anyway, he came chasing over in one of the breaks and said, Terry, how are you, man? Yeah, it's really great to see you. And I'm going, oh, hey, great. Yeah, lovely. Thank you, David. And you. You know, he says, God, so long since we worked together, isn't that? Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on what we, uh, you know, the sea. We did the sea. And we did. Years before we'd done oh, it. Oh, you Sam did. done a, a radio production of Edward Bond's The Sea. Mm. And he and I were, were, you know, part of the Suffolk villagers. I mean, the thing I really remember around it was, you know, Anton Lesser and and, um, and Rosemary Leach as the, you know, the main protagonists. And, you know, like a lot of radio plays, and like 
we've been discussing tonight about you know going back to 1991 i forget things that that, are, that we've done in you know and nine times out of ten two days after i've been in the studio you know people say oh, you remember that thing we did last week i go no um well we just want to get that voice again i said well you have to play it to me because i can't remember now um mm. it's a bit like a computer your brain shuts down once you go out of the studio and uh, you're on to the next thing um, because things were uh run so fast um so yeah i mean david's a lovely man david's um you know superman um and uh, i've never met, met matt um but uh it was interesting that um, when Capaldi was announced, Colin Baker is quoted as saying, ah, at last we've got a doctor over the age of 12. <laughs> well, <laughs> I actually... With great love, because he likes both Matt and David very well. I actually thought that that was the whole point of the regeneration, that actually the doctors got younger. And I was actually thrown for a loop when uh, Capaldi got it. No, 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 no. No, they don't get younger because they are actually older. And what I'd like them to actually eventually discover is that room in the TARDIS that nobody talks about, mm -hmm. which is the regeneration room. Because in that regeneration room are all the old doctors. And they have aged. Naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in that regeneration room, once the doctor regenerates, they go into the regeneration room and the next one takes over. So all the old regenerations of the doctor are in that room. Now, wouldn't that be an interesting episode to do? Um, we're going to have to do, do a new podcast. Oh, you're going to have to do a new podcast, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the 13 Doctors, yeah. Did, yeah. did we actually decipher what you're going to do uh, when, when, I, when I leave your little cottage in Norfolk? Uh, it's no. Christmas evening. No, no, no. I'm going to, yeah, as I said, you say, uh, probably watch a bit of Doctor Who and, mm -hmm. you know, find a frivolous family film to watch like 1984. You know, I think that would be good, yeah. Uh, I don't know. And, and, I mean, and cuddle up to the missus. And cuddle up to the missus, absolutely. With a, Well, I think I'm full of mince pies now. I don't think I can manage another one. Um, but if you tempt me with the brandy, brandy butter, I think I might. <laughs> Terry Malloy, uh, thank you for your Christmas reminiscences, sir. Thank you, Royfield, and a happy Christmas to everyone. Now, I just need to do a little bit of shopkeeping. dum de dum dot com go there we've got a shop it's awesome got a forum you can go onto our forum you can tell us how wonderful you thought uh this christmas show was so that, that'd be a good thing to do itunes reviews everybody um don't give us money don't send us presents send us an itunes review because that's really good to keep us on top of those itunes podcast charts um couple of shows you can help keep our little show on the road uh you can do it by hitting that donate button or you can go on to patreon.com and donate a couple of dollars per show um now to get in contact with us you can send us a voice message via speak pipe on our website which is of course dumdydum.com or you can call us on 0203 uh 0313105 to leave us a telephonic message you can find us on social media specifically twitter where we are at dumdydum me i'm at royfield Harriet is at Sandbridges. Uh, Lucy is Lucy V. Freeman. And uh, Terry, how can people find you on the Twitters? Uh, at Tucker's Patch. Do you get it? Tucker's Patch. Hey, hey. Uh, uh, uh. On Facebook, uh, you can go and join some 1,500 people that kind of dumb dum all together who are corralled by a one uh, Millie Bell. Um, that's just about it. Have you got any... Um, any any last comments you'd like to give the dumby dumbers out there, Terry? Um, 
I'd just like to say, I think Dumpty Dum is brilliant, and I, I think you're all brilliant. And I, I pick up on some of the comments now and again. I'm not an avid listener, but when I do, I, I do enjoy myself. Um, I, I think it's a top top podcast. Uh, you're uh-huh. fantastic for doing it. Uh, you and Lucy and, and everyone, you, you you know, you pitch in, and it's it's great that you know you keep the program alive and kicking alongside the program that is alive and kicking, but it extends it out. It's a bit of what we tried to do with Archer's Addicts back in the back in the day. You know, um, just have more of an interaction between. Uh, you know the cast and the fans and uh you're all great and uh i hope 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 but uh you know mike whoever vicky bethany whatever amy you know brenda uh will all sometime get together in ambridge and uh wish you a merry christmas next year that would be a perfect way to round off 2017 fingers crossed for that mr malloy yep Thanks a lot, mate. You take care. Have a Thank very you. merry rest of your Christmas. Thank you. Perfect. Didn't even need Tim at all. Oh. oh he's Tim fine. Bentink what? Who? Tim oh. Bentink what? No. Fuck. <laughs> isn't he? on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 